dude. What's up? All right, so Canada yes. just played one of the biggest games, really, ever for the country, um, but maybe one of the biggest in all the world this year. Um, beating Spain was really unexpected, but the way they did it, yeah, um, we had a lot of fun here watching that live together with everybody. Um, Hell yeah, we did. Now they got a big game again. Sylvania, bro. It's going to get sloppy. Man, I just, I got to go back to what we saw with Canada. And I, there's very few times that I've gotten that excited about uh, a FIBA uh, game that was not a USA-based team. <clears throat> um, I, that's just, to me, like, the fact is, is that the way that that game went down and they wrapped your, the Canada, Canada team wrapped you around their finger, you know, like, you're, you're sitting there and you're watching and all you, I, for me, the disappointment of Australia and Australia losing, it was, it was rough, you know, like I was still bitter about that. And then all of a sudden Canada just doesn't play like to what their capability, you know, for really, let's just say it seven quarters in a row, seven quarters in a row. They just don't play to what they they're capable of playing at the level they, they can play, you know, Brazil four quarters in a row. You know, and then three first quarters here, and then they came out in that first fourth quarter, Mark. And we talked about it beforehand. We discussed what would the, had to be the game plan in order to win because, you know, these games you don't see a thirty-five or forty-point quarter very often. If anything, I don't think it happened this this um, this year so far. So, you know, they're ten-minute quarters. So for me, like I, I looked at that, I'm I'm just like consistently seeing this. Like if they don't have a chance to score forty points, they have to score less. And watching how Canada just locked down wasn't truly truly impressive and i shay big shot after big shot finding dort dort hitting big shots they, they just hustled you know like <clears throat> they looked better when rj barrett was off the floor at some points you know like and, and that's not a diss against rj barrett that's because you had diss. dort and brooks out in the same um, time shutting down everybody you know like and and it's again they're not a um diss against barrett but when you have the two best defenders some of the two are two of the best, I would say, five ISO defenders in the league on one team. It's going to cause issues. And that's exactly what happened. When they had to go to that smaller lineup, they just, they just closed them out. And it was beautiful, bro. I, just completely beautiful. I, I felt bad for Spain because Spain had worked so hard. But, I mean, like, the reality is, is that like, we're all about Oklahoma City Thunder players. And that's it. Like, you know, like, we just cheer for the Oklahoma City Thunder players. And Shea doing what he did. And dropping that beautiful game was just everything, man. It was everything. Dort being there to be a part of it. I really appreciate so many things. There was so much to overcome for Canada. There were two massive possessions. or um, I think there was one seven-point possession where Canada yeah, hit a three. And then um, Brooks got called for an intentional, a flagrant. They got two free throws and the ball back. And then they scored a bucket. So they scored seven points before Canada got the ball back. So they went from yep. eight tied down seven. That was in the second half. Um, there were so many things that they had up having to overcome. But in the end, Shea led them there. And, man, what else can you say about him other than just saying, like, um, he's really come a long way. And when we say we're expecting more wins out of this team than other people, and one sure. of the main reasons we think it's kind of silly to put, like, a cap on our potential playoff success by saying, like, well, this team hasn't gone through the hard knocks. Yeah. Like, while you're discounting Shea's two years in the playoffs where he went to game sevens against the Warriors and the Rockets. Yep. Um, you know, the two time the times he played with 
know, Chris Paul and Dort played with Chris Paul and he played a game seven that was, you know, epic. Um, you're discounting the fact that they're having these experiences on the international stage. And now Shea's got become like a first team all NBA player, but he's also got this international experience that would state like, sure. this is uncommon. Like sure. we're used to this type of um, takeover, what Shea did. Yeah. That type of stuff happens in the NBA. Sure. But the international Absolutely. game isn't set up for superstars to run it. No. And we've seen that happen over and over and over again with the U.S. where like these guys who are just like international superstars go and play the international game and they can't figure it out. And then you see like international players who just have the best international game, but they can't really be effective in the NBA. Nope. So there's like a difference in the game approach. Absolutely. Shea plays both at the highest level. Yeah, dude. And, and, and you, and you see it. And I, we had a, um, a listener, uh, put a comment out there the other day. It was just like, basically like, you guys are so lucky to get Shay. He's an amazing person and even better player. And, and that's truly exactly what we feel about Shay. Like, like every aspect of Shay's game and what he's able to do is, is truly spectacular. And Mark and I early on, like you look at the best of each player when they're young, like, and Shay was no exception. Mark and I were scouting out Shay in the early, um, early times of uh, the Thunder with Shea, we, we sat there and we were like, if Shea gets to his best ability, where will he rank as guards? Because his upscale, you sit there and you want to do that with all the guards. And you sit there and say the upscale, like the upscale is on Morant, the upscale on uh, Tyrese, Hilberton, uh, whatever his name is. But you can Halliburton, go, yeah. Halliburton, thank you. Uh, I mean, you can go to all these different point guards in the league and Cade Cuttingham, and you can say, what is their you know, top line success? And, and you start understanding is this, okay, well, yeah, those are point guards, but Shea's not a point guard, really. I mean, yes, he is. He plays point guard a lot, right? But he's the hybrid guard of this next generation. He's going to play small forward on defense sometimes. He's going to play shooting guard. He's going to play point guard. I mean, he's going to play all over the place. It won't be just a set position for Shea. And then you start recognizing like that's a nor- that's not normal. That's like 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 how many of these other guys are playing? You know, five percent of their minutes or ten percent of their minutes in um, um, small forward positions. And you start recognizing like what Shea does and brings to the table is just way more, way more. And and people will sit here and say Luca is the best guard in the world. And 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 is yes, you know what? If you're just comparing them on the offensive side and nothing else, right? Nothing else. Then Luca looks like he's the better guard if you're just comparing the offensive side. But if you're looking at their entire games, the defense, the understanding of not getting necessarily the assist, but the hockey assist and what Shea does on like all aspects, block shots, steals, deflections, uh, loose balls, like he does it all. And Luca does some of it, but he just doesn't get to that Shea level. And then you start asking yourself, like, would you rather a, a player like Shea, who's a team player, than somebody that you have to build around like Luca? You can put a team like we have around Shea, right? And you're not necessarily building around Shea. You're building up Shea's teammates. But in order to build a team, it's all about Luca, 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 Luca. Oh, it doesn't fit here. Trade him. Doesn't fit here. Trade him. Doesn't fit here. Trade him. And that's what's happening. And like, we're seeing that. So people can say, no, Luca's the better guard. But I, I strongly disagree. I think we all George, what's are, up, are going to start understanding that this Shea Gilgis Alexander is the best guard in the league. And it's going to be quite evident by the end of the year this year. When you think about how fast George has Milani. risen to such a point and under you know, what type of conditions, 
um, you know, like Luca, you got Ja, you've got um, Trey Young, you've got these incredible guards that have really taken over um, the marketing element of the NBA. Um, they're the most exciting young players that I can remember since, like, you know, Vince Carter, Tracy McGrady, Kobe were young. You know mm. what I mean? Like, there's yeah. been young, like, generations where, like, there were single great players or a couple great players. Um, you know, but it's another thing to look at it and be like, okay, all these great guards are, are putting butts in seats in their cities. And then all of a sudden, Shea, late bloomer, passes all of them with the exception, really, of like you're Except saying, like- of Luca and what Luca can do on the offensive end. But if you look at what Shea does when it's time to win, you're saying maybe, maybe Shea's the better player. They're going to get a chance for us to see who can get it done. But in the end, it doesn't always just come down to a single game. But this, to me, is classic basketball. We're going to look back historically and be like, this is when we realized how special this team was. I remember when 2010 was around, we were watching the U.S. do similar things with the Thunder players. But one thing we even knew back then was the NBA game is different than FIBA, and you got to adjust how you play. And what we're seeing with Shea, though, is Shea's game works no matter what. Yeah, dude. And I, I hate comparing our guys to other guards out there, but it's inevitable when they're young. Um, I think a, a fair assessment, though, and I appreciate, Blake, you, you saying Giddy's going to have a breakout year because a lot of times we get stuck on Shea, we get stuck on J-Dub or Chet, um, and we love talking about Giddy. He's one of my favorite subjects. Actually, he's probably my favorite subject. With that hair of his, I'll talk about him all day. And to me, like uh, what Josh brings to the table with his uh, ability to get that ball up the court and fit our system with it yeah. like a glove. Like we, we, we don't truly understand the, the concept of what Josh Giddy is going to bring to the table yet. Uh, we can sit here and we can guess and say Josh Giddy could average 14, uh, you know, nine and, and, and eight, you know. But the reality is, is that. I think Josh is is a way better player than that right now. I don't think that it's going to be one of those things where we're going to put the ball in his hands in the beginning of the year to expect him to score 20 points a game. But by the end of the year, I think it's going to be known that Josh is going to be our second to-go-to guy. And the reason that I think Josh is going to work his way up to that second to-go-to guy is because if you see what he has done in this game um, a tournament, is is too cool, actually, is the one that brought this up, that, that um, Shea... And Josh Giddy has shot the same amount of shots in the tournament. Same exact amount of shots in the tournament. Did you know that, Mark? Yeah, because only because Two Cold told me. And I know the other part too, but right, I won't. Go ahead and tell me the other part, man. Who shot more shots? Or who well, hit more shots? Exactly. Who has a shooting a better percentage? Exactly. And they shot the same amount of shots. So that's Josh Giddy, which is mind blowing. It's mind blowing, but it was by two shots. And if you think about that, the efficiency, and we've always talked about it with a J Dub, you know, Josh. And Shea, it's their efficient game changes everything. And now I've seen Josh step it up to the almost the same exact efficiency that um, Shea is at. And if that's the case, then why why not give the ball into Josh's hands and the second we come down, especially if they have to put a bigger guy on him? You know, like if they have to pick a bigger guy on him, it's gonna be a slower guy, then Josh is just gonna come down the court, lull him to sleep, and go, whoa, finish. Because he's finishing at such a high rate, it's insane. Like, I just I, I sit here and I and I truly wonder. You you've been an advocate of um, Dort coming off the bench for a while. You've been one of those guys that like Dort could be a six man on you know the year if he came off the bench, right? And and maybe that's what's going to happen this year. 
maybe that's what's going to inevitably end up happening is because Josh Giddy is going to make it difficult for anybody out to be out there that can't hit the court in corner three. And I look at the structure of this team, even Bertans, bro, who I think is probably the best corner three shooter in the league right now, right? Just because of what he's doing out there on the court is insane right now. And I think if you put him in the corner, you put Jay Will in the corner, you put any of these guys that uh, Isaiah Joe in the corner, okay? They're lights out. The one player at this point, very given point right now, that cannot shoot lights out right now on that three point is Dort. And it doesn't mean he's not going to get there, right? But I think coming off the bench has showed me a lot from him coming off the bench with Canada. It showed me that he can come in the bench and be calm with that same fieryness. Doesn't take a lot of shots if he's not open. He is more in control. And I think that's the thing about I look at and I'm like, maybe a coming off the bench for him, allowing us to get that other starter that's going to be a knockdown corner three guy, allowing Josh Giddy to be at his very fucking best. And that's where it's going to get scary because Josh Giddy getting to the hole is going to cause everybody to collapse. Okay. Shea's going to the hole. Everybody has to collapse. J-Dub going to the hole. Everybody fucking has to collapse. And what happens when everybody claps is they're wide open men in the corners every single time. And if we shoot a high percentage from there, I don't think there's anybody in the league that's going to be able to stop our guards and our shooters. And on top of that, you just drafted a guy in Cason Wallace who can play top-level defense on the best players on the other team. I know people aren't ready to give him that, but he'll prove it pretty quickly. And then also, much better three-point shooter. And my biggest thing about Cason Versus and others, everybody's like, well, maybe this other guy, maybe this other guy. I get it. But with a guy like Kaysen, the mm-hmm. reason why you want to give him an opportunity is because you don't want to draft somebody at number 10, um, you know, who has the ability to be a star and then regulate them to the bench so that they don't end up living up to their fullest potential. So that's my theory with Kaysen. Do you remember what I like, said about Kaysen when we were in pre-draft for him? What'd you say? I said, George, George you, hell yeah, man. Appreciate that, man. Fuck yeah. We love you, man. Um, I said about Kaysen, I said, if we drafted Kaysen, Kaysen is going to be Dort's replacement. It's inevitable. When that happens, it's completely up to Kaysen if we drafted him. You know? That's where I'm at. That's where I believe. I believe that Kaysen is eventually going to be Dort's replacement because he's going to push him out because of the way he plays. But right now, let's enjoy Dort while we still have him. You know, like, let's appreciate the fact that Dort is going to break records on the defensive end this year again, and he's going to keep on breaking records, and he's going to keep on getting better at this, what he does. And if he comes into the game and he plays 22 minutes a game, allowing these other guys to play, and he's finding a way to be effective coming off the bench, then, bro, we owe him a lot. Because we're going to see Isaiah Joe start. We're going to see Kaysen start. We're going to see Jay Will start. We'll see Poku start. You know, we'll see all these other lineups that will be crazy. And if you think about that and the, the different lineups that we can bring to the table that Coach D can um, um, really just experiment with until the moment comes of what? Crunch down time. And when that comes, we shorten that lineup and we know exactly who's going to be that starter for the rest of the year. And that's where it gets me excited because Coach D proved last year that he knows how to handle crunch time. And if you know how to handle crunch, crunch, crunch time, then you've got a chance. You've got a fucking chance to do something amazing in the playoffs man for sure bro. Well, God, we love you guys um so tomorrow u.s italy um germany latvia is george we're making this a short one today sorry man 
right, so any chance you want to try to catch a little bit of the Italy USA game? Um. Well, I you know what I'm I'm up for watching it. You know, so right. I mean we don't have to have much people jump on here, but I'm up for watching it for sure, man. All right, and then um, so that's tomorrow, and then on Wednesday we got Canada, Slovenia, seven thirty my time, Oklahoma yes. time. Dave, 8.30 your time. We hope everybody will join us. We're going to see how many games we can get in between now and the finals on Sunday. But if it gets boring, we'll admit it. Because we really want Canada to win it. So here we go, baby. Let's get it, bro. We got you next time, bro, for sure. Sorry about it this time, bro. Keep it short and sweet. Love you guys. Love you, man. Bye.